Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, I imagine that there are some of you here this morning who have, at some point, been to the Yankee Candle flagship store in Deerfield, Massachusetts. I see some heads nodding. If you haven't been there, just picture a mega emporium of all things candle, and you'll get a, get a sense of what it's like. I think it's closed now, but a few years ago, uh, they had on the same property across the street uh, a uh, car museum, an automobile museum. And I remember at the time thinking that was just brilliant marketing as they recognized that some couples might go to the store. Yeah, you see where I'm going here. And there might be one member of the couple more interested in cars than candles. Well, nothing against candles, but once after I had visited the car museum, a friend of mine who was very familiar with the collection asked me, well, which one was your favorite out of all that you saw there? And I told him, I'm pretty sure it was the Bentley Speed 6 from the 1920s. Looked a lot like that. And so my friend knew that this car collection was filled with exotic Italian supercars and other eye-catching models. So he was a little surprised that I chose the Bentley. And I explained to him that when I saw it, there was something about it that just, just struck me. I said, everything about that car It's so purpose-built, so function-driven, and so the car itself just ends up being absolutely beautiful. At least it seemed that way to me. And as Christians, we know that like everybody else on the planet, we are beautiful because we have been created by God and in the image of God. And as Christians in particular, we recognize that as followers of our good shepherd Jesus, A key part of our beauty emerges from the fact that we have been created for beautiful purposes. We are purpose-made. Last week, we began to take a close look at the stained glass windows that grace this beautiful sanctuary. There are two up front, three in the back. And it's easy to be struck by their beauty. I mean, simply as works of art, they're absolutely stunning. But if we take the time to inspect the the images and the motifs and the messages that are contained in these windows and these designs, we come to appreciate even more deeply the purpose for which they were crafted. The two side windows at the rear of the sanctuary are actually designed to function as a pair. Together they tell the story of Matthew 25, this teaching from Jesus that was just read this morning. In this teaching, Jesus tells his followers, his sheep, the kinds of things that sheep do as they are faithful and listen to his voice. And he tells them why those things matter. Listen to how the design description of the left rear window shines light on this parable of the sheep and the goats and puts it into tangible and visible expression for us. The lancets at the rear wall portray the acts of Christian mercy described in Matthew 25. On the left window, a sheep is visible in the upper panel with a colorfully patterned fabric woven from its wool. Jesus said, I needed clothes and you clothed me. Below the sheep are foods, 
pumpkin, corn, apples, grapes, eggplant, and the tassel of the prolific grain amaranth. Jesus said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Now, you may recall, if you were with us a few months ago, that we studied this passage together, and some of you even undertook what we call the Matthew 25 challenge presented by World Vision. Those of us who took the challenge marinated in this text for a week. We discovered what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 25, and we heard in that text God's call to us to move toward a deepening empathy with our neighbors and need and toward a more, lo- more loving response to them in their time of need. We discovered that as we serve our neighbors, perhaps especially those who might, might appear to be the least of those among us in our society, we actually have the opportunity to serve Jesus Christ himself. Now, what I love about these two rear windows is that they open up for us this Matthew 25 passage in such a way that we see what happens when the sheep of Christ, when the body of Christ, live out their function. We see that when the body does what it's supposed to do, something absolutely beautiful happens. As we demonstrate our love for Christ by serving our neighbors around us, beauty unfolds. Now, this morning, we'll focus on the first of this pair of windows, the left-hand side window, also called a lancet. We see that there are rich colors of the beauty of the cloth that comes from the wool, as well as the food that are presented there. And on the screen, you can see it uh, in person, if you're not here, this is a a tall, skinny window, and so it's been split up a bit, so you can see it all in one uh, slide this morning. Jesus said, I needed clothes and you gave me some. I needed food, and you gave me some. Basically saying, when I appeared among you, when I walked among you as the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, I needed something that you had, and you chose to open your hands and to share with me. We see this thread of the generosity of God's people, this willingness to share actually all throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, In the book of the law that God delivered to his people Israel through the prophet Moses, God instructed, give generously to those in need and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. If you look at the book of Proverbs, you'll see that it's full of references to the wisdom and the beauty of generosity and what happens both to the one who receives and in the life of the giver. In Proverbs 11, we read, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And in the New Testament, we see that when John the Baptist came preaching to people in the desert, saying you need to get right with God, you need to turn away from your sin and turn toward him in repentance, the people asked, well, what should we do? And his answer in part was, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. And in the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew 5, Jesus taught, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Jesus tells his followers that if they have something and encounter someone in need who asks for it, they should be willing to be open-handed and generous in sharing those things. He says this isn't just a nice thing to do. Jesus teaches that if we actually love even our enemies, not just the people who love us back, if we pray for those who oppose us, and if we give to others freely, we actually have an opportunity to become like God. When Jesus says, you will be children of your Father in heaven, he means that just like children resemble their parents, those who do these things as disciples of Jesus get to be like his Father and our Father. And this is the picture of God we heard painted by the prophet Isaiah this morning, this generous, overflowing God who says, come you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And what God was speaking to his people there was metaphorical about the true riches of life, but it explains and expresses the generosity of his heart. We have the incredible opportunity to imitate our heavenly father, whose very character is marked by graciousness, generosity, extravagant open-handedness. We've been given enough to share. And when we do, we practice and we grow into being more like the one who created us to follow his lead into beautiful purposes. When we look at this window, we see not only beauty, but we see images of bounty. We see that there's more than enough wool to create this beautiful cloth for garments. We look at the colors and the variety and the quantity of the foods, and we see that they're literally spilling off the edges of the window. There's bounty to be shared because we serve a God who is bounteous, who's abundant, who is lavish in how he provides for us. Now, I know that not everyone here this morning feels like they're in a position of more than enough. Certainly not in every area of life. We can look at our lists of needs and there are places where we'd, in all honesty, say, I could use more of time or money or friends or confidence or wisdom. That's our reality. Our reality is that we all have things we feel we could use more of. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus in this teaching on the sheep and the goats doesn't talk about the sheep not doing quite enough. Instead, he points to everything that they did. And everything they did, Jesus teaches, mattered profoundly. It mattered that they did this for their neighbors, for their brothers and sisters because of Christ, and that they served Christ himself as they did so. 
And so this morning, as each of us can surely name something we would love to have more of, I imagine that each of us could also name something we have enough of to share. Something enough to share. And this morning, this beautiful stained glass window and these words from Matthew 25 spur us on to think specifically about those physical things, that stuff that we have enough of to share. Where is there physical bounty in our lives that means we've got enough to share? I was talking recently with uh, Mike Hadvab, who's here this morning. We haven't talked ahead of time, so his surprise look is that uh, I didn't prepare him for this. But I love the ministry that Mike is involved in because he does such an excellent job of connecting shareable stuff to people and families who are in need. It's a very practical, tangible ministry as Mike works with families who really need to start from square one and and get an apartment or a a new house up and running because they've been displaced or for some reason find themselves in a season of need. Mike uses one of the bays of our church garage to store uh, donated items, tables, lamps, beds, sets of dishes, other household essentials. So that as he works with the Connecticut Department of Children and Families and finds out about families who are needing a fresh start, he's able to be generous on our behalf. And I talked to Mike and he said, yeah, I almost feel guilty that I get to be the one kind of on the front lines doing this. He said, it's only because of the generosity of God's people that this can happen at all. And so this week, if you look around your home and you discover that perhaps you have enough to share of something, a lamp or a dishware set or anything, um, please connect with Mike. And Mike, could you just wave so we see who you are? All right. I love Mike's creativity in in connecting our surplus to, to people in need. I think two of our monthly food drives, how every month we gather a lot of food as people are faithful to scour their shelves and, and realize, I've got enough of this, I, I can share. I know there are people who intentionally go shopping so they can be strategic in thinking, I'm, I'm gonna get some things together that I know families in need could use, could use and put to good use. I know there are people who donate money so that food can be purchased in bulk to serve families in need. And I know that all of this generosity comes from a sense of having enough, having enough to share. And so what might that be for you? What might that thing be for you this week? I recognize that that John the Baptist mentioned clothing and Jesus did as well. And I have to admit that as I scan my closet, I find more than one article of clothing that that I have hanging there or stored in a drawer, you know, just in case someday I want to or need to wear that again. And in my better days, I I end up deciding, you know what, that probably could be put to better use by someone else. If the one with two shirts should share with the one who has none, I recognize I I have a lot more than two shirts. So much of how we view all of this, the sense of, of our stuff and whether we have enough or can be generous, has to do with whether we see our things from the perspective of, of scarcity or abundance. 
If we tend to think of resources as being in short supply, we're a lot more likely to, to grasp tightly to what we have or maybe even look for opportunities to, to build up our stockpiles so we always have enough. If, on the other hand, we truly believe that in God's economy and God's, by God's design, we have been given more than enough and there are more than enough resources for everyone to have enough, we're much more likely to become increasingly open-handed. We'll become increasingly convinced that we've actually been given what we have so that we may be free to share. Not only because it's a nice thing to do, but because sharing open-handedly demonstrates our trust that we serve a faithful, good, providing God. David writes in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The Psalm writer Asaph delivers these words from God. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and everything in it. All the bounty on the earth, everything we see that has been created, has been created by God, and it is good. Now, how we choose to manage that bounty may or may not be good in God's sight. When we choose to clasp, to grasp tightly, we know it's, it's not a pretty sight. But when we choose to be open-handed, when we recognize and understand that God's creation is bounteous and that we've been given, given to bountifully so that we might share, that we've been created with a purpose to together meet the needs of those around us, when we share with those in need because it gives us an opportunity to demonstrate our love for Christ himself, that's a truly beautiful sight. It's a thing of beauty when the body of Christ, living faithfully under the call of our shepherd, lives out our purpose, lives out our purpose for our neighbor's good and for God's glory. Would you join me in prayer? Generous, Creator God, we thank you. We thank you for how you have provided so abundantly for all of our needs. We thank you that in so many ways we look and see that you have blessed us super abundantly, above and beyond any bare minimum, because you are a God who lavishes lovingly on your children. God, most of all this morning, we thank you for the lavish, extravagant grace you have shown us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to pay attention to his words and teachings, to watch the example of his life, that we may live unencumbered by greed, by anxiety over enough, by apathy toward our neighbor. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see Christ himself among our neighbors and to respond in very tangible ways out of our love for them and for Christ himself. We pray in his holy name, amen.